as we've seen in recent weather events, floods and slips go hand in hand. And one researcher would like to see landslide risk factored into storm planning and response. For example, Auckland Council's flood management program, Making Space for Water Initiative, that's what it's called, doesn't factor in landslides. And landslides, of course, leave buildings vulnerable. Martin Brook is an Associate Professor of Applied Geology at the University of Auckland, and he studied slopes in Auckland and in Gisborne. He joins us now. Hi, Martin. George, Jesse, how are you? Good, thank you. And thanks for the work you've done on this, and you've been talking about it publicly um, for a little while now. Why are slopes interesting to you? Um, well, they're a geohazard, um, and in fact, you know, in New Zealand, since records began um, in about 1850, landslides have killed more people than earthquakes, for example. Gosh. So, you know, they're an important geohazard here. It's kind of hard to avoid slopes in New Zealand, isn't it? Particularly when you think about our major cities. Well, it is, yeah, especially Auckland. Um, you know, we've got quite a varied geology, Um 50-odd volcanoes as well, um, and we, you know, we do tend to populate sloped areas, whether it's above slopes, on slopes, or kind of at the toe of slopes as well. Yeah, so if you were planning Auckland today, how many areas would you not build on? Um, well, <laughs> that's a difficult question, but I mean, I, I guess, you know, the lessons are a bit manifold. You know, we are vulnerable to, to, to extreme weather events, and we do build in some strange places, um, and I think you know we could improve things with set, you know, improved setback distances. So that's you know building back from the top of the slope an adequate distance, but also at the toe of the slope, at the foot of the slope, building in front of it at a, an adequate distance as well. Because obviously, you know, houses can always be inundated from material above, and we saw that in the Shore Road uh, fatal landslide in Parnell in January. Uh- we had more news today of slips on the East Coast, pretty tragic uh, photos, some of the ones I've seen from there. Can you tell us a bit of uh, your background on the East Coast in, in Gisborne? What was the research you were doing there? Uh, yeah, we we were funded by the EQT to uh, monitor slopes using satellite uh, radar uh, from the European Space Agency. So we did five years of um, monitoring there. Um, and identified a lot of slopes which were moving faster than other slopes. So uh, the good thing about satellite radar is um, the one we used, it's got a 12, the satellite comes back every 12 days, so you've got a 12-day revisit time. Mm. And, um, you know, it, it, it's so sensitive, you can detect millimetre per year movement of slopes. So you can identify slopes which are, you know, speeding up perhaps. You know, someone takes some trees down or puts a, a swimming pool on a slope, it speeds the slope up. Um and, you know, all rainfall input, for example, you know, a major storm would um, increase, you know, perhaps the slope's uh, velocity as well. So it was very useful. And that was in conjunction with Gisborne District Council, the unitary authority there. What was the takeaway there? What did you learn? Um, that although climate change is really important, um, land use change uh, in New Zealand overprints the effect of climate change in a lot of areas. Uh, you know, we're really good at cutting uh, trees down for views. Um, but obviously that, you know, you take a tree away, um, the roots rot, and that decreases the, the strength of the soil. Uh, the canopy cover, which has lost, allows water to infiltrate directly into the soil as well. 
Um, other types of land use change, we cut into slopes, we regrade slopes, we build retaining walls, which aren't to building codes, um, which just are not uh, strong enough. Um, uh, so, you know, the land use change is, is a really important factor. Um, now, we can't, obviously, this doesn't obviate the need to address climate change and deal with that, but land use change is really fundamentally important here. Yeah, and, and I suppose you wouldn't expect people on an individual basis to make decisions for the for the health of the slopes around them necessarily. They're all just worried about their own property and their own house, but that's where councils come in, right? They're able to make some decisions which affect uh, groups of houses collectively or, or areas collectively. And what can you see from, for example, Auckland Council that reassures you that they understand these risks and they're doing something about it? Well, I think Auckland Council do, and I think, uh, you know, unitary authorities like Auckland and Gisborne, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, they've got excellent staff, you know, in very high positions, you know, geologists, for example, who really do understand the lay of the land, literally. Um, so, you know, some councils are, are doing what they can. Um, you know, Auckland, you know, there's legacy effects. Uh, so the 1981 Local Government Amendment Act Section 641A, that allowed councils around the country to allow uh, building on unstable land and be absolved of any civil uh, liability. So that's the legacy effect from, you know, 42 years ago, which, you know, the chickens do come home to roost a bit from that in, in that there's some houses which are probably not places they should be. Um, so, you know, there are factors like that um, that we're kind of dealing with, I guess, Um so, you know, obviously the council's come up with the nine-point um, making space for water initiative, which is, you know, a really good forward step as well. But obviously that doesn't deal with landslides. And landslides and floods are kind of two sides of the same coin when it comes to a major storm event. What would you like to see? What would best, best practice be? Um, well, there's probably pockets of areas where, you know, some good slope monitoring um, technology could be put in and utilised. Um, and I'm sure it is in some areas. Um, there's lots of best practice uh, around and, and really good expertise. Um, but certainly the use of satellite monitoring um, is, is really useful because it, it gives you that, you know, the, the repeat long time series of, of, of understanding how fast different parts of the landscape are moving. And, you know, the European, um, in, in the EU, we've got the um, uh, European Ground Monitoring Service. Uh, it's a website you can go on to and, you know, there's thousands of data points around Europe, the European continent and the UK. You click on a data point, a graph pops up on your screen and it shows you basically the last five years um, of that point on that slope and how fast the slope has been moving. I mean, if we had something like that in New Zealand, I think that would be a fantastic resource. You say, I think this is your quote I've got here, if you look at the Auckland Unitary Plan, it doesn't encompass the geomorphology, which is the landforms and the Earth's surface processes that are currently shaping our landscape. That seems like quite an oversight. Yeah, I mean, I guess it was put together, the unitary plan was you know, conceived for different reasons, not, um, not the geomorphology. And most planning documents, I guess large-scale things like that, don't really encompass the, the surface processes and, and maybe the, the near-surface geology, um, and which I think is really important. What's your advice on an individual level to people who might be building a house or considering a house to buy? Um, consult um, a geotechnical engineering company, and there's 
you know, there's some of the multinationals in Auckland, but there's also very small companies as well, uh, geotechnical companies, uh, you know, consult a chartered engineer um, and you know, get, get your due diligence done. Um, that's what I would advise. Um, and a lot of people do. So um, it's important. Yeah. Any cities or, or territories around the world that do a really good job of this stuff? Um, well, Hong Kong, you've got a central um, office of geotechnical control within the government there, um, which, you know, it's a response to a lot of landslide issues in the 70s and beyond. Um, in so, some other parts of the world, like California, Santa Cruz there, they've got very rigid setback distances um, for building on slopes, um, which are, you know, enforced. Uh, some other parts of the world as well. Uh, so there is best practice and uh, knowledge around the world, definitely. Um, so, you know, there is, there's certainly opportunities to make New Zealand more resilient. Just have to ask about this headline here from a few days ago. You didn't write the headline, of course. New Zealand faces uninsurable future unless planning system overhauled, says expert. You're the expert. Yeah, well, that was... I, I did What I said was some parts of New Zealand are uninsurable, and they are. I mean, you know, the Insurance Council of New Zealand in December 2022, so before this year, this year's events, um, said, you know, they they called for central and local governments to step up the planning decisions. Um, we, we really do need to stop building in dumb places, they said, and that was December last year. Um, and, you know, Christchurch earthquakes, 8,000 houses were red zoned, and the government offered people two options, you know, full payment for the land and the dwelling at the 2007 valuation or, or payment for land and the rest to be paid by the owner's insurance. And most, most chose option two. So, you know, some parts of New Zealand already are uninsurable. And there's been plenty of stuff in the news media uh, since February about various people being refused insurance in, in different parts of New Zealand. We've all seen those places around New Zealand where, you know, you're out... Um, you're down at the beach or you're out in a kayak in my in my case and you look back and you see a house it looks like it's teetering on the edge of a cliff. It seems to be happening in so many places. What do you think when you see that happening? Um, well, it's not... I mean, I take students on field trips, undergrad and postgrad level, and we, we often visit. We walk along beaches and visit some of these sites and look up at them. Um, and, you know, often you see faults in the rock and defects within the rock in the cliff under the house. So, um, it, you know, it's it's just a matter of time, I guess, in some of these situations when the cliff will fail. And it certainly pres- provi- provides very interesting case studies for students and teaching, <laughs> put it that way. You'd rather be studying in them, studying them than living in them, eh? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for your time today. I really appreciate it. No problem. Bye-bye. That is Associate Professor of Applied Geology Martin Brook from the University of Auckland on considering slopes uh, when we do our planning.